0: Well welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Hope you enjoyed falling back. How nice is that? Just to kind of chill and get that extra hour. You know we always hate it in the spring when we spring forward uh, because you know we're trying to you know we we like the sunshine but we're not really all that uh, keen on uh, having to lose an hour of sleep. Then the fall rolls around and for one glorious day We do um, take, we catch hold of our senses here and um, get a chance to sleep in. A lot of people show up late. Remember uh, Pastor Chuck Smith used to do this, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. With the time changes, he didn't want anybody missing church because of the time change. Did you remember this? I did not go to Calvary Chapel back then, uh, Big Calvary. But I remember Chuck used to do this. And you know, they controlled their old radio station on Sunday morning when they would carry the program so they could carry whatever they wanted to. But Chuck used to say, whatever time zone it was when you went to bed, <clears throat> that's the time zone when you wake up because I don't want you to miss church. And so if it was spring forward and fall back, they would stay on standard time until after you'd come to worship. So the 11 o'clock service was actually starting at noon, but it started, at, remember that? And he would start it, it at 11 o'clock and then in the fall when you fell backwards you stayed on your clock and i love the fact that he did that it was so creative because in terms of the time of day that you worship i don't know that that's necessarily a huge thing in god's economy i mean in all honesty back if you go back to the uh, the jewish days remember uh, sabbath actually began on friday night i mean as soon as the sun was down in god's economy it goes nighttime then day And not the other way around the day changes over at the end of the day so technically if you are going to um, a church that has a worship service on saturday night but you are part of that you know sunday going church going crowd then you get the best of both worlds because you go on a saturday and sun's gone down so technically you get church on saturday night but you went on sunday in god's economy and i heard a really great discussion about this um i've been listening to a lot of different denominational podcasts and watching uh programs on youtube and things like that because i'm really trying i mean if john 13 34 and 35 is the deal you know jesus said a new commandment i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another there are so many places where the body of christ seems to be battling with each other. If you can imagine, we're all one body. Have you ever gotten to the point, well, have you ever had this time? It's a fun little free form to open up this Monday program. Uh, Have you ever had to slap yourself in the face to try to stay awake, or maybe pinch yourself, or um, you know, I know people like crack knuckles, or do whatever they do. You realize that you are doing that to your own body, right? If we are in fact the body of Christ, like the casting crown song, says if we are the body why aren't his arms reaching why aren't his feet going you know whatever um but the idea is yeah for the body we should be doing the things that god has called us to do but when jesus said a new commandment i give you love one another everyone will know everyone meaning outside of your circle of influence will know that you are my disciples if you love one another because they just won't believe that (laughs) You guys could be so organized, you know, that you could be such a body of Christ together because there was, I mean, you had uh, Matthew, the former tax collector, and you had Mark and you had, uh, uh, well, Luke wasn't part of the disciples, but he was part of the, uh, you know, the gospel writers. And then you had Simon the Zealot who wanted to overthrow Rome, you know, and, and was, they were a pretty disparate group. And Jesus said, you know, you are all assimilating into one body of believers. And so it's it's interesting to see as we look at these different you know coming together and going together. The one thing I'm looking for first and foremost is motivation. What is the intent? What are these conversations designed to do? And it's amazing to me how many people, like in the evangelical world, you know, for years have gotten by with the whole. Um, well, this is what we're you know this is what we're all about, and we're not like those people. You know, like we're not like Catholics, or we're not like. Uh, Lutherans or or whatever, and it's so interesting to me because I think of the people who get hung up on the, you know, do you worship on Saturday or do you worship on Sunday, people, and, you know, what about, what if you go to a church that has a meeting on a Wednesday night and that's your worship service? I mean, I don't know that the day of the week is as important. I mean, God specifically says in his word, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and I don't see that Jesus did anything to, uh, you know, to move us away from that. But I know there are a lot of New Testament Christians who say, wait, Jesus rose from the grave on a Sunday. That should be the day that marks the New Testament church as opposed to the Old Covenant. Okay, that's fine. But if you're part of the Wednesday night or Tuesday morning church, I mean, that you're worshiping God. That whole remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, though, if that's your day of worship, I think that should be your day of Sabbath. So, I mean, in God's economy, I don't think it changed. The Sabbath is Friday night all the way through Saturday night. But um, I'll, I'll leave that up to them. The reason I bring this up, I, I love the fact that Pastor Chuck used to do what he did with um, with daylight saving times, and it's daylight saving time, not daylight savings time, apparently. Um, but nonetheless, he used to say, "Okay, here's the thing: if you go to the eleven o'clock worship service at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, and this week we're moving ahead so that we're on daylight savings time, I want you to." get your sleep and don't mess up your rhythm. I don't want anyone missing church because they didn't set their clock, either backward or forward. So you set your clock and, you know, after you go to church, but make church a priority. And I appreciate the fact that what he was doing was he was accommodating people, meeting them where they were, but also saying, hey, but don't forget, you don't get two free passes every year just because you didn't get the clock right. You know, so they were very clear about that and I think people really enjoyed that. I don't know how long he did that. I know there was a season when he did. Like I said, I heard about this anecdotally. I never attended Big Calvary on a regular basis, so I don't know. But the reason I bring that up in terms of the, okay, here we're, we're working together and we're going to show everybody that we are, you know the body of Christ. These are disciples of Christ and, and we're going to have that good kind of communication. The reason i bring that up is because i think what we're facing in the culture right now is a similar challenge as it pertains to americans american patriotism what it means to be an american citizen what it doesn't victor davis hansen has done a number of really great lectures if you will he's been interviewed by john anderson the former deputy prime minister of australia uh, and have these conversations where he basically says the way that the left and progressives want to govern our nation is to basically render citizenship useless. As Christians, we know that our citizenship is everything. Not our citizenship in America is more important than anything else because our citizenship in heaven is the most important thing. Now, as American citizens, as people who live in this country, by all means, your your citizenship in our country is important. But it should never be more important than your citizenship in heaven, which means you assimilate nicely with the other boys and girls, And you don't, I mean, like some of the Catholic programs I've looked at and listened to. Here's why we're not Protestant. Well, I I really, I don't care why you're not Protestant. I want to know how your Catholic faith informs the fact that you use Catholic and Christian interchangeably. And it seems to me, to a lot of these people on these podcasts, more important for you to be Catholic than to be Christian. And I have a question about that. You know, in the same way that when I see... Evangelicals or mainline Protestants. I was interviewing a pastor at a very prominent Baptist church in the Deep South. He had been a very passionate supporter of the 45th president of the United States, taking out billboards in honor of this guy. And the minute the election went sideways for that guy, I just so happened to have an interview lined up with him, like the day after the election. And so he had been on one of the major news channels. He'd written an op-ed, blah, 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 blah. And he said, um, I said, so uh, do you have a comment about what's happening with President Trump right now? And he said, no, no, I don't. I said, really, why not? I mean, you did a, you did a sermon series one summer on this guy's presidency. Why? He goes, well, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's time to, you know, kind of turn the page and whatever. I said, well, you're not going to fight for your guy? I mean, shouldn't you be fighting for your guy? Or maybe you're saying that you realize you shouldn't have made such a big deal out of him when he was in office. I mean, these are questions I think as Christians we need to ask and answer. What does it mean to be a Christian who is a citizen, obviously, of of heaven, but also a citizen here in the United States? And what value does citizenship have? That's a question a lot of people are asking right now especially in the border states because there's been so much talk about the homeland security committee what's happening with border patrol and whether or not, i mean this is a very strong indictment but there are many people in the United States Senate who are suggesting that the secretary of homeland security Alejandro Mayorkas should be impeached because of the way things are handling on the border with regard to illegal immigrants coming in here illegally kind of disappearing and there's no accountability Well, when it comes to how bad the problem is for the so-called gotaways at the border and what does that say about the current administration's commitment to valuing your citizenship and mine, valuing it enough to make it more difficult for people to enter the country illegally, all in favor of legal immigration. But what about illegal immigration? We'll take a look at the numbers and offer what I believe is a biblical response to the problem of illegal immigration. We'll do that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives.
1: The last 12 months, there has been almost 1.7 trillion invested in investment grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility.
0: Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hey, coming up, I should almost I forgot to mention this in the opening segment. Today is Movie Monday, and we do have a movie that we're talking about. It's a streaming event uh, that's coming up on great american Pure pureflix channel a couple months ago meg meeker dr meg meeker who's a pediatrician and a really strong advocate for families especially p- parent-child relationships uh, wrote a book years ago like 20 years ago called strong fathers strong daughters and it's been updated and expanded it's sold millions of copies i believe and they made a movie about the book strong Fathers, strong daughters that was released about a year ago and as uh, Great American Pure Flix was getting ready to make the switch over to the Great American you know, move, uh, they were able to start streaming the movie um, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters there. And um, so I want to revisit that conversation with Dr. Meg Meeker. We'll do that in about 15, 20 minutes or so. But in addition to uh, having that conversation, we have one free six-month subscription to Great American Pure Flix. Uh, Pure Flix, of course, the home of God's Not Dead and all those other. I mean, there's so many great options available on this Great American Pure Flix channel. And so we will be giving away one free six-month subscription. Their Christmas programming is out now, all the Christmas holiday stuff. There's a new movie dropping every week. It's, it's tons of fun to watch. But we'll be doing that. In addition, we have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different copies of Dr. Meg Meeker's book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, that we'll be giving away as well. So if you want to get your hat in the ring now, uh, Crystal's standing by to take your calls. Joel is helping her out as well, in addition to running the board for us. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have one six-month subscription to Great American Pure Flix here on Movie Monday in honor of the release of the movie Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Dr. Meg Meeker, which is streaming on that platform. And then we have five copies, the bound book copies of Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters that we're giving away as well. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Strong families are important, especially when they are immigrating into the United States. And legal immigration, of course, isn't really a problem here in the States because millions of people come here every year and they do so through the legal channels. I mean, I like to call it the Ellis Island phenomenon, but you come in, you've got your paperwork, you apply for your work visa, get your green card, get in line. Sometimes you have to wait way too long, but once you do, then you can take the citizenship test and... Um, then once you pass it you're an American citizen and we see people year after year who keep doing that and loving it so if a million or so people can immigrate through the channels in Latin America into the U.S. every year do so legally why do we have so many people coming through here illegally you have to ask the question I think it's a fair question to ask what are the people who are coming here legally doing why aren't they going through the legal channels So many people on the left will say, well, it's asylum. I mean, they're in Nicaragua and the government's has been asylum. And then you see other people immigrating peacefully and legally from Nicaragua and you, wait, 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 you're you're in the same country. How come these folks are trying to swim across the border in Texas and y'all showed up in San Diego or Miami and said, here's my paperwork. So how many people actually are coming here illegally is the problem a lot worse than perhaps we thought well the answer is yes uh senate uh, senator roger marshall a republican of kansas is part of the senate homeland security committee and they had a meeting recently to ask the question uh how many people immigrate to the u.s illegally and there's a term called gotaways as in they got away from us people who come here illegally they evade border patrol They are detected from some other kind of surveillance, and they're never really prosecuted. Now I know the the left likes to say, progressives say, well, no person is illegal, and everybody, of course people have value. Obviously, every person who's ever been created up to this point, because we don't have AI yet that's making artificial people, uh, but every person who's ever been created has been created by God in the image of God. The question then is, there's sin in the world, and why do some people... uh, you know, go after this. Later on this week, we're going to be talking about the issue of generational sin and why that is so important for us to understand. But I'm not saying that generational sin drives people to illegal immigration, but you have to ask the question when, when so many on the left are saying, well, if these people come and they claim asylum, political asylum, religious asylum, if they want to be transgender and have operations and the U.S. just says, yeah, that's a good enough excuse to come in. If you want to come here illegally and you want to stay here, all you have to do is say it. You don't have to mean it. You can say it and they'll take you, take you up on it. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas is the current Homeland Security Secretary and he was part of this uh, Senate Homeland Security Committee hearing about the problem of illegal immigration. And so Roger Marshall, the senator from Kansas, asked about the number of gotaways in the U.S. so far this year. Now, we had heard that during all of President Trump's administration, there were several hundred thousand people who attempted to enter our country illegally and were turned away. Part of it was that uh, Title 42 issue that shut down the border simply because they were trying to stop the spread of COVID. The Biden administration seemed to have no real, I mean, no, no real impetus to stop that or to to keep that from continuing. And they kind of let it go. Here's what Senator, or excuse me, Secretary Mayorkas said last Tuesday with regard to how many people have come into this country illegally over the past year and are here as what they call gotaways. Quote from Alejandro Mayorkas. I believe, Senator, he was asked um, how many people have come into the U.S. in fiscal 2023, which is from October uh, 1st through uh, September 30th. Mayorkas responded, I believe, Senator, that the number is over 600,000. And I'm sure you're well aware that the phenomenon of Godaways has been a challenge for the Department of Homeland Security for decades. Well, there's only been a Department of Homeland Security for two decades. So anyway, um, <laughs> this is the number of people who are coming here illegally and literally overwhelming the Border Patrol, storming the gates, if you will. Now, here's the. Let, let's take a look at uh, uh, the number of people. Fiscal 2022 was a record number for uh, um, immigrants coming through. There were 2.4 million immigrants encountered by the uh, Border Patrol at the southern border in fiscal 2023. That includes more than 269,000 in September. That's a monthly record. Fox News is reporting that the uh, Border Patrol released over 900,000 migrants that it encountered in 2023. The number of people here illegally just continues to rise and gets higher and higher and higher the department of homeland security's fiscal 2024 threat assessment has warned that agents have encountered a growing number on the watch list terrorist watch list and warned that quote terrorist and criminal actors may exploit the elevated flow and increasingly complex security environment to enter the united states in other words they're storming the castle And the Department of Homeland Security just seems content to be able to report on this. So what is the solution? I mean, understand both parties play a hand in the illegal immigration issue. And what role should the church have in all of this as well? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking immigration and the fact that in a recent Senate uh, Homeland Security uh, hearing, Uh, Last Tuesday, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas informed the senators that there were over 600,000 people who have come into this country illegally who fall into the category of what they call gotaways, meaning literally they got away. They're undetected on the radar. There might be some surveillance camera video of them, but they, they got here. You're saying, well, Roger, we got 330 million people in the U.S. What's another couple hundred thousand? Well, the problem is that even the Department of Homeland Security says, look, there have been more people coming in. These aren't the children trying to find their grandparents and their uncles and aunts that we were told were coming. They aren't people from Central America coming in for asylum. These are people coming in from China, coming in from Syria. They're carrying weapons. They're, they're I mean, they're literally infiltrating the borders. Um, the Republicans who are on this Senate Homeland Security Committee want to send a clear message that the borders are not open to illegal migration. They're accusing President Biden and his team of exacerbating the crisis with greater releases into the U.S. and reduced interior enforcement. Um, But then they say, hey, but you know what? We're going to build 100 miles of wall uh, in Mexico. So see, We're, we're taking this head on. They've also requested an additional $14 billion, that's billion with a B, for border operations. That's money for migrant services, anti-fentanyl technology, greater use of expedited removal and more border patrol agents. They said the priority is implementing consequences for illegal entry while also expanding lawful pathways to migration. But here's the problem. Problem number one, Democrats don't want illegal immigration to stop because that gives them voters. They do a better job of recruiting immigrants, especially from Central and South America, to become voters for uh, their side. Number two, the GOP, Republicans don't want to see this change because their big business interests like having free labor or cheap labor or labor that works under the table. So both parties are complicit. They could have solved this problem a long time ago. Add to this now progressive so-called Christians, who say, well, wait a minute, what about the sojourner? We're supposed to have a table for them, and Jesus was an illegal immigrant. What are you going to do about him? Well, first of all, Jesus was never an illegal immigrant. Mary and Joseph and Jesus had to go to Egypt to escape Pharaoh's wrath before they wound up coming back to Bethlehem, to Nazareth, to Judea, to where they were supposed to be. They were never immigrants. They were escaping the wrath of what they were facing back home. Secondly, if you look at the term in the Greek and the Hebrew for sojourner, it literally means legal alien. This is someone who's here to do some work. They've got family they're visiting. They're not just showing up and saying, where's the free stuff? So of course, we're not supposed to look down upon them. They're visiting. They're guests. We used to have a pretty thriving economy, especially here in the People's Republic of California during the produce harvesting season. There was a steady stream of people coming in from Mexico to work for three or four months out of the year, make a nice wage, send it on home to Mexico, and then they were out the door. But nowadays, you see people coming in and illegally trying to jerk the system a little bit. And it's just not right. As Christians, we should be welcoming to anyone who is a stranger in our land. But one of the ways you can show the love of Christ to somebody who comes here is to ask, what is your residency status right now? No, we're not going to turn you into authorities. But if there's something, if you came here illegally, and there's some things we need to do to make it right for you to stay here, we want to help to make it right. We're not just talking about saying I'm a Christian. I'm going to take a page out of Nehemiah's playbook and build that wall. You know, I mean, I think a good good fences make for good neighbors. Now more than ever. But beware of the media that wants to make this a one and done, either or situation. It's very multifaceted, as you can see. And I pray that with uh, the right prayer and supplication, that God will bring some uh, kind of restitution to this situation as well. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com so you can have a look at it. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, Dr. Meg Meeker is going to join me for a conversation about the movie version of her book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. This book was a landmark book when it first came out, I think 2005, 2006 and it was updated about 10 years later and now it's been made into a major motion picture and the film version of strong fathers strong daughters where you take all the different uh, principles that dr meeker that was originally uh, invented or created as kind of a dad's here 10 things you can do today to help your daughter and uh, build a stronger relationship with her um but anyway i, I want to get you in on the call here 800-227-5278 Because what we have for you is multifaceted. Uh, The movie version of Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters is streaming at at, uh, Great American Pure Flix. And Great American Pure Flix is kicking off their Christmas programming already by giving us the opportunity to share with you one of their six-month free subscriptions to Great American Pure Flix. So uh, 800-227-5278 is the number to call for that. And we've got books too. We'll talk about that more on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues
2: been hurt in an accident, and you're wondering if you should call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. You must. That's why insurance exists, to cover accidents. So you should use it. Stephanie worked in the insurance industry for over 20 years, and she knows their system, how to talk to adjusters, how they think, and how to get back from them all that you've lost. That could be wages, time, property, or anything else that the accident has taken from you. Every minute you wait hurts your chance to be made whole again. And Stephanie knows that the opposing insurance company is building a case against you, so time is a factor. Stephanie cares about the truth. She builds your case on a rock-solid foundation of honesty. She will give you a clear understanding of what to expect during the process, and Stephanie will ensure that the truth comes to light. If you or someone you know has been in an accident, and you're not sure if you need an attorney, Reach out to Stephanie Cover now at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R.
0: Dr. Meg Meeker is my guest today here on this movie edition of The Bottom Line Show, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters in the Spotlight once again. Meg Meeker, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show.
3: Oh, thanks for having me, Roger.
0: This is exciting because Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters has been on the big screen and now it's coming to television great American uh, GAC is to tell us about what this is this new adventure
3: actually uh, the book um the movie came out last year 2022 on pureflix and it did extremely well so that's why it's now moving to great American media because it's popular and I would tell you the book is more popular than ever and I'm thrilled to say now they're translating it into Ukrainian
4: wow it's
3: gone into many many languages but somehow my heart just swelled when I heard Ukrainian because mm. everybody needs encouragement.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
3: Fathers there need it right now.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the father-daughter connection because, I mean, you write about it so well in the book, Strong Father, Strong Daughters, which we have BottomLineShow.com, and we're going to be giving some away at the end of our conversation here today. But now more than ever, in a world that can't really define femininity, can't really define what a woman is, you know, and, and men... Are kind of being marginalized out you know it's it's amazing that that book is still in print meg meeker let alone you know it's still having the impact it is talk about why people are still resonating with this in this world of confusion
3: you know it's interesting roger as time goes by the book becomes more and more popular particularly because we're at a time where everybody is um questioning masculinity femininity woman right. manhood and, and sort of wondering what it is and what it isn't we know what it is but Amen. people don't want to articulate it and feel they shouldn't articulate it so i will yeah. um, <laughs> because everybody knows who's had a mother or a father they're different mm-hmm. every daughter knows dad is different from my mother what he brings to me and gives to me or doesn't give to me is very different from what my mother gives to me. Anyone who has a man in particular, who's grown up without a father knows the deep pain. And if he did have a father, he, he knows how differently his life would be. And so you really can't deny that there is a a, a very real and deep difference between, um, you know, how a father relates to a child versus how a mother does. The father-daughter relationship is particularly deep and rich because um, fathers feel that they know how to relate to their boys more easily. Mm -hmm. Mothers feel they know how to relate to their daughters, but fathers so much want to be close to their daughters, but they feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. They feel insecure. Mm -hmm. And a big part of my goal with this book and now with the movie is, don't worry about it. Your daughter just wants you. She just... You don't have to have a PhD in psychology. You don't have to earn a lot of money. You don't need a big house. As a matter of fact, she'd probably prefer a smaller one because most (laughs) kids do. That's another story. Mm -hmm. Um, But she but she needs and wants your affection and your attention and um, some affirmation because when it comes from you, it means something different than when it comes from her mom. Mm.
0: Boy, that's powerful uh, insight from Dr. Meg Meeker today here on The Bottom Line Show. The book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, of course, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we are rejoicing that the movie version of Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters is now coming to GAC. And we're going to have a listing of of, a link at thebottomlineshow.com where you can find exactly, you might be saying, where is GAC on my cable system and on my network providers or whatever. We'll provide that list for you so you can find it. What was the response like to the movie? I think the last time you and I spoke, the movie had just come out. Yeah. And I remember talking about how you got me in so many different places. i was just like, oh, man, again, <laughs> uh, What what's it been like in the year since then hearing from dads, hearing from daughters? Because I can imagine there were a few dads who were saying, oh, you made me cringe a little bit, but you didn't leave me there for too long.
3: No, 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 no. The purpose of the movie. Well, first of all, the movie was very popular, and I'm sure it was the the wives making the dad's watch because yep. dads, you know, tend, to, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But it became very popular. and here's the reason. I think it was popular for the same reason the book is popular. It's very pro-dad. We mm. won't say any negative things. Dads are so used to being beaten up, criticized, made fun of. This book doesn't do that because they said that's not reality. What's reality to your child is is you is 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 you as a good dad a good person your daughter wants that so it's very positive um and it shows how a daughter perceives their dad what her dad wants what her daughter wants from the dad and you can see it in um Live before you, so I think that and and it's um it really touches your heart. Um, I, I've seen it, Roger. I don't know five or six times. I cry at the end every time mm. I mm-hmm. a balloon. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> because because we raised three daughters yes. and I so desperately miss my dad who passed ten years ago. Um, but but it's 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 just real and it's true. And I think when you present sensitive good truth to people it hits you right in the heart and you go i get it this is this is what my daughter really wants for me and i can deliver it
0: mm, i love that dr meg meeker strong father strong daughters is on gac and we've got the listings listed at the bottomline show.com we've got a couple minutes left in our time together meg and i I would love for you to help us see, I mean, there's such a push in the culture for young women, especially to be strong, confident, uh, accomplished, that type of thing, but to do it on your own, you know, do it with other in the company of other women. And what you're talking about, much of both and not an either or, you know, girls need their moms, girls need their dads too. help us to identify if you can, I mean, there's little things that you pick up and say, oh, that girl had a good relationship with her dad or. Oh that girl's trying to compensate for something. Do you spot that right away? I would oh, imagine abs- you would.
3: Absolutely. I think angry women who are bossy and aggressive Now, you can be assertive and you can be strong and you can be clear and confident, but that's very different than being an aggressive, mean, bossy woman. Mm -hmm. When I see that, I I find a woman who feels insecure in her femininity Mm -hmm. and is trying on, if you will, masculinity in all the wrong ways, because that's Mm. masculine, because she never had a role model. She didn't know what interaction with a good man was like. And that you don't need to be mean and aggressive and bossy um, if you've had a good relationship with your dad because nobody needs to be that way. So I can, and I can spot insecure women, women who, girls who are looking for male affection, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who are hooking up with a lot of different guys. They're craving male touch and affirmation and they're finding it in the wrong places. The girls who had a good relationship with their dad don't need to do that. Hmm. They're very self-assured. They date if they want to. They don't date if they want to. They don't need to find the wrong things.
0: Mm, I, well, I that's a quote right there pull quote from dr meg meeker they don't need to find the wrong things because they already know how to look for the right things and they've been given those gifts meg what is your hope now that this is hitting television in in a barbie world in a transgender world in a you know a we can't divine what a woman is world your movie is going to i think take america by storm but what is your hope when people come across us and say what is the strong father strong daughters thing
3: I hope that it's an eye opener for fathers. I hope that it helps them get inside their daughter's heads and realize, wow, I'm much more important than I ever thought I was. And I can do this. And I, my involvement in her life is a life changer for her. And I also hope that it allows fathers to start to say, you know what, this is what I want to do. And this is what I need to do. And, and, and I'm going to look for help on how to relate to my daughter mm-hmm. because I can do a really good job because I have everything it takes to do a great job today. I just need a little bit of coaching and help.
0: Boy, that is, there's a, and there's a big difference in that chasm between I have what it takes and I need coaching versus, well, the society's telling me you'll never measure up. And I think that's a the, the maybe the most powerful takeaway for me in this conversation as well. Dr. Meg Meeker, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, the movie now available on GAC. And of course, the book still selling. And you've you got that Gary Chapman thing now. I remember he telling me once when he wrote Five Love Languages every year, outsells the year before is that kind of that way for you with the book too well it
3: is and i'm thrilled and what i'm hoping is now i've begun to do some online counseling with groups of men excellent not to say do this do this but i'm trying to show them their heart of their daughters and once they get that they respond so that's and my hope is to continue to do that
0: well millions of people are downloading your podcast where's the best place for us to find you again
3: MeekerParenting.com. I also have a course on strong fathers, strong daughters where I made some videos so I could talk to talk dads through it, just like you and I are doing, but really check it out. And then, and then sign up for any type of, you know, team coaching with me um, online, if they'd like to. So
0: excellent Meekerparenting.com and we've got links for the book and all things Meg Meeker, Dr. Meg Meeker, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today here on the bottom line.
3: Thank you, Roger.
0: Well, it's always great to revisit that conversation, and uh, Dr. Meg Meeker and I have become colleagues over the years from our days working together at Dr. Dobson's Family Talk program uh, to where we are right now, uh, to the brand new movie release of the book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, is currently streaming at Great American Pure Flix. We have a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's very, uh, well, it's it's heartwarming. It's a nice story. It's actually not a documentary per se. It's not a TED talk from Dr. Meeker, Rather, it is to see the values and principles that she wrote about low those many years ago uh, that have since been updated. Of course, um, those the information that's there is put into a story form. And it's a nice uh, movie story about a dad whose daughter who he thought he was really close to is getting married some other place and guy he doesn't approve of. And it's just it's a uh, it's a classic tale. You'll like it. It's kind of a romantic comedy with a very strong, powerful, biblical marriage. Now, it's streaming at Great American Pure Flix and our friends at Great American Pure Flix are so happy that it's here. And also that all their Christmas movies are now streaming. They got a different movie kicking off, I think about every day, if not every week. That they're making it possible for us here at the bottom line uh, to, well, to give you the opportunity to get a six month subscription to Great American Pure Flix, absolutely free. Here's all you have to do, pick up the phone, Or Take your phone out of your pocket and call us right now at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. The grand prize of our drawing today, uh, we've got a couple of things that were given away here, but the grand prize is the one six-month free subscription to PureFlix, Great American PureFlix, courtesy of our friends at Great American PureFlix. But because Dr. Meg Meeker is so generous and uh, the book is such a landmark book, if you haven't read it, I want to make sure that every bottom line listener has a chance to win this book. That's why we have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters that we're giving away today as well. So basically it's Everyone Wins Monday. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the uh, different attributes that Meg writes about in her book. But we're also going to take a look at some of the sobering statistics about fatherlessness in the U.S., and the fact that we could say as Christians, well, strong fathers, strong daughters, of course, you know, every girl needs a dad and dad needs to step up at home and, you know, take more responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not quite so simple for those who um, don't have a father in the home. Now, do people think that dads have a tremendous value? Um, well, here's a, a Rasmussen poll from January of 2022. So it's a couple of years old. of those who were polled believe that a strong family is foundational to a strong America. They also believe that parents should bear the primary responsibility of raising children. Now, that's a far cry from what you hear in the culture, but those numbers take an even more interesting turn when you look at how many dads are actually at home these days. We'll take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Dr. Meg Meeker for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. She, the author of the great book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. The link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's been made into a movie with our friends at Great American Pure Flix having distribution rights. And just in time for the Christmas holiday, we're, by the way, Great American Pure Flix giving away... On, uh, giving away the opportunity for you to watch all their great Christmas programming as well. We have one six-month subscription for absolutely free for you today here as a bottom line listener. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you don't win the free six-month subscription, don't despair. I mean, it's moving Monday. That's why we're giving away the subscription. But we have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of the book Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters that we're giving away as well. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Our friends at the America First Policy Institute conducted a poll about January of 2022 with our friends at Rasmussen, pretty reliable polling group. 84% of Americans polled believe that a strong family is foundational for a strong America. 84% believe that parents should bear primary responsibility for raising children. Note to the California Teachers Association and National Association of Education. um, Yeah, parents have that responsibility, not the teachers. Teachers have a responsibility, but parents are the ultimate authority. It's interesting because 67% of people polled believe that the decline of the family is actually harmful to American growth and prosperity. But then here's the issue. 65% of people polled by the American Family or America First Policy Institute believe that children who grow up in a fatherless home are at a significant disadvantage in life. Now, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, the book by Dr. Meg Meeker, kind of highlights this point. When you look at the number of girls and young women who grow up in fatherless homes, well, here's the latest statistics, and this is as of fiscal year 2022 U.S. Census Bureau. The number of children growing up in fatherless homes continues to rise. Now, understand that divorce does cause some of the single-parent households that we see here in the U.S., but approximately 40% of all kids are born to unwed mothers, when you consider the number of unwed mothers who are women under the age of 30, that birth rate for out of wedlock goes up to 53%. Now, understanding that there are many unmarried women who get married, they're technically not married, but they're cohabitating with their partner. But here's the thing. For anybody who says, well, you know, it's a good idea to get uh, live together before you get married so you can see if this is going to work out. Did you know that the divorce rate or the breakup rate, I guess I should say, among couples who try to raise a child without getting married or live together, have a kid, and then do get married, their divorce rate is twice as high as the national average. And the couples who you talk about how marriage kind of galvanizes the culture, it keeps people together. (laughs) In all honesty, um, this is a, a huge issue. You know, some people say, well, we don't need a piece of paper and this, that, and the other thing, but what kind of impact does it have on the kid? What's interesting is when I mentioned the number of children or the percentages of kids that are born out of wedlock and people say, well, we should be more like Europe. They don't have these problems. You're right. They don't. As a matter of fact, according to the U.S. Census Bureau for 2022, the number of children across America who live without a father at home is 18.3 million. Did you know, by the way? And you probably did, because if you listened to the bottom line show long enough during COVID, you had drilled into your head the fact that the host would routinely say, "That would be me," that there are 77 million children in the United States, age 18 or under the age of 18, and the number, the the fatality rate among kids who got COVID was less than a thousand. But here's the deal, 18.3 million children in America, that represents one out of every four. And here's what it does to the United States. Did you know that that means that the U.S. has the highest rate of children living in single-parent households globally? globally. It's so interesting how we talk about how the family's not good for the world and we should be more European. And yet, you know, who's setting the standard, who's actually pacing this whole uh, single parent trend is U.S. families. As of 2019, the number of children who lived with one parent and no other adults in their home was 23% of the population. That is a staggering three times greater than the global average is only 7%. That's from Pew Research. In China and India, you know, China being the one parent or the one child per family family system and India, the caste system where if you're born in poverty, you'll stay in poverty the rest of your life. The number of children who live with a single parent is 3% in China and 4% in India. And those are massive populations, three times at least greater than the United States. And then there's the issue of, we're just talking about kids overall. When a child grows up in a single parent home, there has been an influx, an increase in the number of single dads who are handling this because of divorce or maybe the death of a spouse. But the reality is, single mothers head up 80% of single-parent households. 80%. Fatherless families are four times more likely to raise children in poverty, and 84% of homeless families are headed by women. Those are remarkable. So what are we to do in the body of Christ? What are some ways? I mean, obviously, the strong parenting, uh, strong fathers, strong daughter's principles work great if dad and daughter are involved in a relationship. But what happens when they're not? And how, is we, how do we as the church respond? I want to take a look at that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Still a few moments left to get in on the great drawings that we have with Dr. Meg Meeker, um, talking about Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, the movie, which is now streaming at Great American Pure Flix. And you've got a few moments left to get in to win uh, the copy, the one actual, uh, uh, the one... Six month subscription that we have that we're giving away today to Great American Pure Flicks. 800 227 5278 is the number to call there. And then we have five copies of Dr. Meg Meeker's book, Strong Daughters, Strong, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, the 30 day challenge. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We've been looking at these rather fascinating studies from the America First Policy Institute. Um, with regard to fatherlessness in the United States. And when you consider a 40% out of wedlock uh, birth rate that's gotten so high, uh, 23% of children in America live with one parent and no other adults. In single family households in the U.S., typically if there is a parent at home, that is the mom who's doing the raising. And that means the media is having a huge impact on these kids. So, what is a family to do? First and foremost, may I speak to you as a single parent if you are divorced. If you or one of your adult children is divorced at a single parent household, and mom and dad are still in the picture, just that the kids spend most of their time living with mom. Mom, you have to make a decision for the benefit of your children, especially your daughters, and that is if dad is able to have a relationship with them, he needs to make that a priority. Secondly, for the church, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. Just step up. I heard this great description. Since I am a father of three biological children and technically a stepfather for three other adult children, um, I have. I saw this one time. I was coming out of a convenience store, and it made a lot of sense. It said, "I'm a stepfather. I'm not a stepfather because I married the kid's mother. I'm a stepfather because I stepped up." And I thought, you know, that that's a that's a good idea. Step parents are the ones who step up and stand in the gap for their kids. Because the reality is, our culture is stronger when we follow God's plan A. And God's plan A is that a mother and a father cleave together. The man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. The two will become one flesh, and they have lots of kids. And the kids grow up in that home, and then they go off, and they start their families, and so on, and so on, and so on. I know it doesn't always work that way, but it doesn't mean we still should not continue to pursue that, um, that calling and to do what we can to support families who need that help in kind of filling in the gap. That is good news, and that's the bottom line. All right, you still have a minute left to call in for those five Meg Meeker books, or one of them anyway. We're not giving away all five to one person. Also, one six-month free Great American Pure Flix subscription giving away as well. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. We've got uh, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming your way next. For those who remain on the network, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and do so in such a way that you basically get the opportunity to see the Holy Spirit in a whole new life. About 100 years ago, there was a minister by the name of Maria Woodworth Eder who chronicled the work of the Holy Spirit through a book that she wrote called A Diary of Signs and Wonders. About 100 years later, an author by the name of Ken Fish has recreated that expedition with a brand new book on the Holy Spirit And the book is called On the Road with the Holy Spirit, a modern day diary of signs and wonders. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and we'll be giving away a copy of the book at the end of this conversation. The author of that book, Ken Fish, is going to join me next as The Bottom Line continues. We are told that the Holy Spirit lives with us and dwells with us and and basically walks with us. But what does that look like in real life? Well, today here on The Bottom Line, I'm joined by a man who has a fascinating new book out called On the Road with the Holy Spirit, a modern-day diary of signs and wonders. Uh, His name is Ken Fish. He's the founder of Oracle. Trees, widely regarded expert in prophecy, healing, and deliverance, and travels extensively teaching on those topics, has a master's in divinity with, from Fuller Theological Seminary, but also holds an MBA in finance and strategy from UCLA's Anderson Graduate School of Management, has spent more than 25 years as a senior executive with Fortune 500 companies, and the, has a interesting take on what the Holy Spirit looks like in terms of manifesting himself in our lives today. Ken Fish, welcome to The Bottom Line Show.
4: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Let's talk about this On the Road with the Holy Spirit concept because I think a lot of us think, hey, this is great. I mean, it seems like it's kind of cool and kind of laid back. You had a a precursor, if you will, in terms of what this looks like uh, based on a healing ministry that you chronicled uh, from maybe 100 years ago. Talk about what was the impetus of writing this book right now based on what had been written a century or so ago.
4: Well, a century actually a little more than a century ago there was a woman named Maria Woodworth Edder. Some people say Mariah, but um, nobody pronounced it that way back then. Maria was the way you said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and she was a a traveling evangelist that wrote around in you know, like eighteen eighty five, just pick a year and put it there. I mean that wasn't the only year she did it, but in that era. And so that automatically tells you there were no cars, no airplanes, there were some trains. but um, So she rode around on a, what was called a buckboard, a kind of an open heart wagon, a half horse mm, yeah. pulling it. Mm-hmm. And she would go from town to town and hold what we might call revival meetings. And she was really uh, primarily interested in the conversion of sinners to the faith, Um, That was the way people articulated it then. I don't know that we say it quite that way now, but it's the same idea. And uh, she started seeing healings happen. And so she chronicled a lot of her experiences on uh, wasn't quite exactly the frontier, but it had been not that much, you know, before. So she chronicled her experiences along what was what had been the frontier Um, in a book called A Diary of Signs and Wonders. And I read that book, I don't even know, 35 or 40 years ago. And it, it really impacted me seeing what she had done and how the Lord had used her. And remember, of course, as a woman in that era, it would have been doubly or triply difficult for her to be in that role because generally it was men who were preachers. Right. Um, But the Lord used her powerfully, and there were many healings and miracles. And so she documented a lot of those. And I read her book. And when I decided I was going to write my book, um, I decided I wanted to call it a modern day diary of signs and wonders. Well, I was only slightly changing the title, and I knew I was knocking off her title. It's not copyrighted or anything. And Mm -hmm. I was going to put an acknowledgement in my book anyway. But um, anyway, my publisher said, I don't think that's good because if people search for your book, they might find her book and get them confused. So we slightly changed the title to On the Road with the Holy Spirit. That's the main title. And then the subtitle is A Modern Day Diary of Science and Wonders. And that's how the title came to be.
0: Hmm. Talk about what the excursion was like for you or the journey was like for you, because, I mean, the, the the idea is you're looking at these different events and you're helping us to see, you know, to help maybe from someone who comes from a perspective like I do, not coming from a charismatic or Pentecostal background. Um, we're talking about, you know, sign, basically miraculous song and to to realize that God does do the miraculous and still does that even to this day. And you can use this book, this resource as a catalyst. Talk about uh, how, why that was important for you to put to paper.
4: Well, you know, I, I had a relationship with John Wimber. Uh, he was a pastor in Orange County, California.
0: He mm-hmm. was
4: not the founder, but the second leader of the Vineyard Movement. Um, And he's the one who really expanded it greatly because of the grace that was on his life. Um, He was an adjunct professor at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. And in that role, he taught a course called MC510, um, Signs, Wonders, and World Missions. Uh, So he was a man who was, I would say, theologically solidly in the evangelical camp, but he was also a man who had seen a lot of things, and he was uh, moving toward, um, I would say, an embracing, an embracement of the modern uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit, whether through healing and miracles, or perhaps through prophecy, or some of the other gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. He didn't start out there, though, and uh, when he was first converted, he had been a famous musician playing with a band known as the Righteous Brothers, and maybe some of our listeners would recognize that name. Oh, yeah. oh um, yeah. Among their very famous songs is the song, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, which was featured in the first Top Gun movie. Hmm. So you know- anyway, John had been a rock and roll musician. He had a, a conversion experience in a Bible study led by a man who was just a layman. He was a welder. His name was Gunner uh, Gunnar Payne. And um, after John came to faith over a period of time, as he matured as a believer, he was asked to join the staff of the Quaker Church that he attended um, as an assistant pastor. He later went on and became a senior pastor, and then ultimately left all of that to work with Peter Wagner at Fuller Seminary, C. Peter Wagner, um, in the Fuller Evangelistic Association, or the FEA, Trot Echo Alpha, as it is mm-hmm. sometimes known. Mm-hmm. And, um, and with that, he went all around the country and to a few other, uh, all over the U.S. and a few other countries, um, basically showing them how to grow churches and what the principles of church growth are. And in that, in that entire experience, from conversion through the time at the FEA, um, John started to ask a lot of questions like, why don't we see things that are in the Bible? And even when he had been just a new believer, he had asked one of the elders in the Quaker church he attended— when do we get to do it? And they said, the elder said, do what? And he said, the stuff. And the elder said, what are you talking about? And John said, look, I gave up drugs for this. And <laughs> in the Bible, it talks about healing and, you know, deliverance and prophecy and, you know, all these things. Where is all of that? And the right. elder said to you know, him, oh, oh, we don't do any of that. We just talk about it. We just teach us that it used to happen. And we hmm. sing songs about it. John was like, well, no, I mean, that can't be right. So that kind of sent him on a a journey, I guess. And uh, over time, this this ministry of healing developed in his own life. Um, it took about a year from when he really began asking the Lord about healing until he saw his first healing. So for a year, he prayed with no fruit, no results. Hmm. But he did eventually experience a breakthrough there, and then it grew, and John became known as one of the leading voices of healing in the 20th century. And I connected with him after I got out of uh, college or university. And um, I worked with him for uh, 13 years. And, you know, I wrote a lot of his material as a ghostwriter. Um, My name's not on any of it because I was a ghostwriter. But anyway, I worked with him closely, knew him. And he had a profound influence on me, both because he was a professor of mine at Fuller when I took his class, but later I became a teaching assistant in that class, and I also uh, went on staff with him, began writing for him, and then traveled with him, and I saw many, many, many things. And I was very hungry for all of this myself. My own mm-hmm. background was that um, I'd come out of a basically an evangelical background. These things don't happen anymore. And when I'd gone to uh, Princeton, I was very challenged by the level of animosity towards just the Bible itself, never mind the supernatural side of the Bible, that I encountered among the faculty and uh, their own perspectives and beliefs about Scripture, history, Christian faith, etc. And so when I came to the end of my time at Princeton, I I was really hungry, and I was asking the Lord a lot of questions like, how come I don't see stuff like this? It's in the Bible, there's nowhere that's says it's ended, I know it, by the way, just to be clear for our listeners who are evangelical, I'm aware of what the uh, arguments are that people use to say why they have ended, but I was never convinced by those arguments. I looked at them very carefully. While I was at Princeton, I learned to read Greek and Latin. I went on to learn Hebrew. I I never was convinced that those arguments were sound. And so late in my senior year, I was going, Lord, where is this? How come we don't see this and through, through what I would call a divine appointment, um, the Lord got me connected with some of John's materials, and I can share that if you'd like. But anyway, um, I listened to that material, and I thought, i got to meet this guy. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and as it were, the rest was history.
0: Fascinating conversation with Ken Fish today here on The Bottom Line. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to get more into this. The book is called On the Road with the Holy Spirit. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives.
1: The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Call
0: 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970 or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Ken Fish is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. The book is called On the Road with the Holy Spirit. It is a fascinating look at how a modern-day diary, if you will, the signs and wonders that we experience with the Holy Spirit. And I can honestly say that Ken Fish is one of the few people we've had on The Bottom Line show who graduated from Princeton and is still a Christian, and I mean that sincerely, because of what you were describing. I have know several people who went to Princeton Seminary, and we just kind of lost them. You know, I mean, in terms of everything you yeah. were talking about, I mean, I resonate with that, Ken. But your story about John Wimber and the way that things, you know, you were kind of introduced to that. Please continue that conversation that we were having just a moment ago.
4: Yeah, well, so the way that all came about, I was attending an Assembly of God church, which I mean, Assembly of God is a Pentecostal denomination, and uh, but I was, because I was involved in the university itself, uh, I, um, I had a, I, I, I volunteered and became what was known there as a university chapel deacon. And I slowed down there so each word would land because people might have missed the term university mm-hmm. chapel deacon. So Princeton has a very large chapel. It actually looks like a small cathedral. Um, It was built in the 1920s, and it was designed to look like something from the Middle Ages, has stained glass, carved stone, the whole nine yards. And um, and there historically was a dean of the chapel uh, who oversaw the religious affairs on campus. Now, just to be clear, Princeton today is not the Princeton that I went to Mm -hmm. uh, religiously, and the dean of the chapel, I would say, is far more pluralistic than the one who was there when I showed up. But anyway, the man that I... Uh, served under was um, he had been converted in the Kwai River prison camp during the Second World War. His unit of Scottish Highlanders had been taken captive by the Japanese at the fall of Singapore, and as a result of the things that happened to him while he was in captivity, he became a born-again Christian. He'd been raised nominally Christian, but Mm -hmm. he became a Christian, and if you want to read his book, it's called Miracle on the River Kwai. Miracle Mm -hmm. on the River Kwai the author is Ernest Gordon. So, but because I was volunteering uh, in in the university context, I had a lot of interaction with different denominations and groups: um, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, the Catholics, and the Pentecostals. And so, I became uh, I became involved in this church that was literally across the street from the university, and I began attending there. And um, you know, I mean, I was I was a college age kid. It was It was good enough, I would say. I was generally happy there. Um, Anyway, one day, a woman in the church who I knew just a little bit, not very well, he and her husband owned a car dealership in northern New Jersey, so they had a little bit of money. Um, She approached me just before the service, and she had a plastic bag filled with cassette tapes. Now, this is an antique technology that nobody knows anymore, but back in the day (laughs) they were. right. They were kind of the equivalent of an MP3 download or something. And, uh, and of course, there was no streaming, no Internet, nothing like that. Um, so she approached me with this bag of cassettes, and she had been at a John Wimber meeting in New York City sometime before. And she'd listened through all of these materials that she'd purchased, and she gave them to me. And she said, I was praying this morning, and I felt like the Lord prompted me that you would need these. And I said, oh, well, thank you very much. And I had another ancient technology known as a Sony Walkman. <laughs> and So I started listening to these cassettes while I was walking around on campus from class to class and so forth. And I you know, made my way through all this material. And I just got so excited because here was this man, and he was talking about the very things I'd been praying about. God, why are there no signs and wonders? Why are there no miracles? And what about all this hostility I get from my professors about – the things that are in the Bible, and I just, you know, I was trying to piece all that together. And remember, I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, 21, 22-year-old young man. I mean, I, I'm trying to make sense of my world, really, theologically and religiously. And so these cassettes just, I mean, they just spun me up. And I just became like rabid. I think is the only word. If this man is right, then nothing else matters. I've got to have mm-hmm. this. And I, that was kind of the nature of my prayers to the Lord. And uh, I lived in California, the church was in California, so I went home on one of my breaks to California to visit my mother, and I went and visited the church that John Wimber led, and again, there's a lot more I could say, but I know our time is compressed, so let me just say this. When we went to the church, my mother had an incurable condition in her mouth, which was visible. She had open sores that were running and oozing, and they were black like a raisin, And about Mm. that size. And they were on the roof of her mouth, on her tongue, inside of her lips, on her gums. I mean, they were everywhere. And as a result, she was in extreme pain and drooling spontaneously, and no one could figure it out. She'd been to the dentist. She'd been to a doctor. She'd been to an oral surgeon. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with her. Well, we went to this service. It was a nice service. The worship was amazing. The sermon was down to earth and made a lot of sense to me. It seemed to square with what the Scripture was teaching. I don't remember what he taught on that night. And then he said, now we have a room to the side, and if anyone needs prayer, please go in that room. So my mother and I went into that room. Now, my mother didn't really want to go, but I kind of pushed her into it. And so we went into that room, and a couple of the prayer team came over and laid hands on my mother, and in front of my very eyes in, I don't know, I don't want to exaggerate it. It may have been as low as 30 seconds. It might have taken all of a minute. Every one of those sores disappeared. All of the drooling stopped, and my mother stopped whimpering and, and basically crying at a kind of a low level. She wasn't wow. crying, but she was uh-huh. crying. She was in so much pain. But I literally, in front of my own eyes, as a rationalist Princetonian, saw my mother get healed of something that no doctor or dentist knew what to do with.
2: Mm-hmm. And with that,
4: I was like, okay, mortgage the farm. You know, throw the keys away, burn yeah. the bridges. I'm in. And that was really how I got drawn into the ministry of Signs and Wonders. Since then, I've gone on and I've seen thousands and thousands of healings and deliverances and prophetic words, uh, both through John, uh, through some of his associates, including a man named Blaine Cook, who still lives in Orange County, and then as I was around them, I started to realize this is for everybody, and I got drawn into that same type of ministry and when I left my corporate career fourteen years ago, um, the Lord sent me, as if you will, on the road with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Right. Jesus did say that when He has come, He will teach you things that I cannot teach you now because I have to leave. I've got to return to the Father, and so I—I um, I mean, I had seen these things already. I'd lived that life already, but this became now my new full-time job i guess although mm-hmm. more of a calling than a job right and everywhere i went on multiple continents in many countries we saw many 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 uh, signs and wonders and often hundreds of them in a meeting at a time
0: Incredible to think about this. Ken Fish is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about his brand new book called On the Road with the Holy Spirit. We've got a link for it up at the thebottomlineshow.com. A modern day diary of science and wonders. And uh, uh, Candace, we've been just hearing your testimony and sharing about how God has brought you into this ministry. Um, it, it's incredible to think about the, the miraculous becoming part of our everyday life. Take the final moments of our time together here because it's just flown on by. It's been great testimony. But to talk about how we who may be have not maybe it's not so much a cessation type of you know where it's like oh well you know that was back then you know the signs and wonders happened but they're happening now how can we begin to look for the fact that God really is doing miraculous things in our lives we may just not always see them
4: well my book was really designed to be something that would draw people to this and it's an attempt to be a credible testimony not just of a healing but of multiple healings in multiple locations. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest people get my book and read it. It's meant to be uh, at a popular popular level, in a popular style and voice. So I think that would be a good place to start. Another place that people can connect is um, my website, orbisministries.org, O-R-B-I-S, uh, ministries.org, not .com, .org, and uh, the word orbis is a Latin word, and in a particular declension, it means unto the world, or as if mm. we are sent into the world or sent unto the world. And we have a lot of resources available there. We have an app that people can download, and there's a lot of free teaching available through it. Um, they can buy materials if they prefer to you know, buy and own, and we can ship uh, in physical copy, or they can download if they prefer that method. Uh, So that's another place that they can hear some of this. I'm also uh, easily found on YouTube, both under my own name and under the Orbis Ministries name. We have a lot of pre-teaching there. Uh, So these would be ways that people could hear some of what I have to say and hear my testimonies and also understand how does this work? Because I think for a lot of people, even charismatics, um, maybe they have a theoretical belief in this, but they've never really seen it Uh, and never seen anything that is, I would say, dramatic, And beyond dispute. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. got stories of incredible, crazy stuff, like a man with cancer in El Salvador, and most of his face had been eaten away by cancer. And there was just Mm. a giant hole in his head. And Mm. when I say a giant hole, I mean, I could have easily, I didn't do this, but I could have easily made a fist and inserted it into his head. Oh, my. Because the cancer had eaten away most of his jaw, um, his, you know, his cheek. Uh, you know, and up into the brain area. And so we prayed for this guy, and at the moment of prayer, nothing happened. But about three days later, I was back in Los Angeles, and I got a message from El Salvador saying that his face had grown back, and he had been healed of cancer. Now, my translator, who's a U.S.-based guy who's bilingual, he was raised in El Salvador, so he speaks fluent English, fluent Spanish. My translator, his brother is the attending physician of the man I just described who did not have a face. Mm. So we had a good tight chain of custody um, dealing with, you know, is this really real or is this just Mm -hmm. one of those things you hear about that happens in
0: That's a great way to put it. And for anyone needing an upgrade, I can hi- highly, I can hardly recommend high enough the brand new book by Ken Fish. It's called On the Road with the Holy Spirit, a modern day diary of signs and wonders. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ken, thank you for writing this book, for uh, sharing your experiences with us and for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Really
4: appreciate the time. Sure. My pleasure. God bless you.
0: Well, a great conversation. And hey, we're feeling generous. Ken was very gracious as well uh, as we were talking about his book, On the Road with the Holy Spirit. We have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away right now. Get in line and get your copy. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. My thanks again to Ken Fish for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. It's kind of a good outdoorsy name, isn't it? Uh, Ken is the founder of Orbis Ministries, uh, widely regarded as an expert in prophecy, healing, and deliverance. And he's written a book called On the Road with the Holy Spirit, a modern-day diary of signs and wonders. We have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away today here on The Bottom Line Show, because why not? 800 227 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, the thing I love about this book and this topic is it really puts us in a situation where we can understand the value of slowing down and savoring the moments that we have seen the Holy Spirit working. I mean, so much of life, I was having a conversation with a colleague last week, we were talking about the go-go nature of life, media is always on and our schedules are always full, And he said, you know, we miss so much about what's really important. He had just gotten back from spending a week with his dad who is uh, terminally ill. And he brought the kids, they had to travel across the country to go there. And he said, I'm so glad we did because that was more meaningful than all the chatter and all the clutter that's going on in the world. Remember the Holy Spirit speaks to us with a still small voice scripture tells us. How can we experience what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives if we're moving so quickly? And there's so much noise around us that we can't actually hear him speak. Take a walk on the road with the Holy Spirit and you'll discover uh, signs and wonders and things that you didn't think were possible, but God has been planning to do all along on your behalf. That is good news. And that's the bottom line.